0: I am Lee Cockerell, author of Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. And you are listening to my quest for the best with Bill Ringel.
1: Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Lee Cockrell. Lee retired as the executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, a position he held for 10 years. His responsibilities encompassed a diverse mix of operations, which included 20 resort hotels with over 24,000 guest rooms, four theme parks, two water parks, five golf courses, a shopping village and nighttime entertainment complex, and the ESPN sports complex. Lee's here to talk about his book, Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. Lee and his wife, Priscilla, reside in Orlando, Florida. Welcome, Lee.
0: Hi there, good to be
1: with you. Lee, what I've found true with leaders who really care to make a difference is that all of us have had experiences in our own lives growing up, of people who believed in us, reached out to us, someone who gave us either a hand up or an encouragement to take a step further. When you think back, Who's someone who influenced or inspired you growing up?
0: Well, I would have to say I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. My mother was married five times and I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16. But luckily, my grandmother lived next door and my grandmother was great. She always told me I could do anything. And she was very positive. She was incredible. I never heard her say a negative word about anybody in the world. She always wanted to help people. And uh, I think if I have any empathy in my body, it came from her. So it's just amazing. I think a lot of people today would say grandparents had a big impact on them.
1: Yeah. As you were making your way into your first job after school, do you remember thinking back to a message or just the example that your grandmother shared with you that helped you take on a particular challenge?
0: Well, my grandmother always did it through role modeling, I think, how nice she was to everybody. Even when she was in her mid-80s, she was volunteering at the hospital for the old folks and she, she didn't know she was old. And uh, I saw in her own life, she went through a lot of tough times during the Depression and all those kinds of things, picked herself up and made something out of her life. And she dropped out of high school in ninth grade, and uh, she went on to work as an accountant for Phillips Petroleum Company. And amazing. She did it all because she decided she wanted to. And, uh, and that's what I think about every day is uh, you can do what you want, and you get what you want. Uh, if. Uh, Mr. Marriott told me once, if you have flies in your restaurants, because you like flies. So get rid of them. That's up to you. you you're not a, a product of your situation. You're a product of your decisions. And she really pushed me, and I, I, uh, I always called on her when I had a problem to talk about it.
1: That's terrific to have that as a, a touchstone early on in your life. And it led you to a lot of really interesting career paths, in your a lot of career positions in your own career path. How did you get the position and the opportunity to become a leader at Walt Disney World?
0: Well, I uh, went to college for two years and uh, forgot to go to class. So I plunked out and went in the army. 1964. And when I got out, I met a guy in the Army. We went to Washington. I got a job as a banquet waiter at the Washington Hilton, up there where President Reagan got shot by John Hinckley back in the 80s. And I worked there for eight years, met my wife there. I tried to be the best person I could ever be. I had a great attitude, because I thought if you don't have a college degree, you better have a great attitude. And, and I'm very organized. And next thing I know, they put me in a management training program, and I worked for Hilton eight years and. Washington, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, and then I joined Marriott Hotels for 17 years and focused on food and beverage operations and became the vice president of food and beverage there over time, and then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open Disneyland Paris, which I did, and then they brought me back to Orlando in 93, and I was in charge of all the operations there for 10 years, and that's how it went by pretty quick.
1: It does sound quick and almost seamless as you talk about it in retrospect.
0: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't seamless.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of challenges along the way, because I think that you distill that in your book. When you talk about the 10 common sense challenges, how did you come up with that adjective for the title, the common sense challenges?
0: Well, I think that was my grandmother, too, you know, people that grew up in Oklahoma. And I think generally I grew up on a farm. There's a lot of common sense instilled in you because if you don't pay attention, you can uh, get hurt. You can uh, A lot of things can go bad when you're actually not very, don't have much money and you're living in a fairly poor life. So common sense takes over. And, you know, when it's lightning in Oklahoma, you come in out, you come inside. <laughs> That's common sense. That's just kind of, I think, probably the way I was raised, being around people who had to make uh, good decisions, but they didn't have the education maybe, and they just had uh, friends and family that they checked in with to make sure they were doing the common sense thing, so I always thought about, I wasn't a good student, but I had common sense, <laughs> so I had to use one of them, and I came up with that, that uh, sometimes we got educated people that don't have much common sense, and they make a lot of mistakes And their critical thinking skills, they don't think things through, and education is just one part of being successful. So that's kind of my point of view. I kind of try to think about things, where they're going to go, and follow the path to make sure I'm using common sense. Uh, Does this make sense? Is this right? Is this wrong? And then I also, I'm pretty good. My wife gives me a lot of uh, advice. We've been married 51 years, so uh, she's still training me.
1: (laughs) I don't think you make it to 51 years without being receptive to feedback and training. I think that's pretty, pretty impressive. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks.
1: Can you remember an example of being in a meeting, Lee, where you heard people heading down a path toward a decision and you just knew you had to speak up because what they were proposing didn't make sense? Can you talk about an example of that?
0: Oh, sure. I mean, that happened all the time, and I had it even with my boss, issues like that. And so one day I found the kind of the answer to talk to him about it, and I asked him, I said, Al, how much of my salary is for my opinion? And he said, well, that's mainly what it's for. And I said, okay, because I'm going to give it to you. When I don't agree with something, I'm going to give you my opinion, and that's what you're paying me for. And you still have the last vote, but I never want to be in a situation where I'm feeling guilty because I didn't speak up and something goes badly. I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, Tell me why, and I'll move on. But I always give my opinion, and it got me in trouble over my career. A lot of people don't want to hear your opinion. They don't want you to bring up sensitive issues. They don't want you to talk about those hard things. And I know in my life, if you don't do the hard things, life gets harder. And so uh, that's kind of just the way I... uh, got there, I got him to agree that he wanted to hear my opinion, whether he, whether he knew he was agreeing to that or not. That's how we ended up. We worked together for 13 years.
1: I think people yeah. do want to hear opinions generally when it agrees with what their thoughts are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that they have to be presented well in order to be shared and have impact when they are different from what the person you're pitching it to. Is thinking. Yeah. Can you share an example of talking with Al and bring up something that you just saw differently on, and it ended up improving the situation?
0: Well, with Al, you know, I would—he's a very smart guy. He was my boss. He was a finance guy. He was great at strategy. He started at Disney when he was seventeen, and he became president of Disney World. And so every time I'd go over to talk to him about any issue, whether we were needed more staffing or operating hours or whatever it was, he would always kind of shut me down and say, okay, I got it, I got it. He wouldn't listen to the whole story, and he often wanted to make his opinion known before he even heard the whole story. So I started writing up what I wanted him to know, and I sent it over to him, and the last sentence said, okay, as soon as you finish reading this, give me a call, and we'll talk about it. (laughs) So I needed to make sure he had heard the whole thing and he was just wired that way you know all these people that sometimes you meet with they start talking before you're finished Uh, because they're thinking about what they're going to say instead of about what you said and so that was a good uh, strategy for me to write it up take time put all the issues in there even the ones he wouldn't want to hear and then at the end of the note i would say call me and we can talk about this now <laughs> so that was a I probably ought to do that with my wife, too, because I'd probably go better.
1: I'm not weighing in on an opinion on that at all. (laughs) One of the things that you bring out in the book that I think really bears underscore and emphasis is that you say everyone is important. It's strategy number one. Why is that so critical to convey for people who are looking to create magic, to make sure everyone is important?
0: Well, if you don't get that one right, nothing else works. Literally, if uh, you work for me and I don't even know your last name, I don't pay attention to your aspirations, I don't help you with your training, your development, giving you the right feedback, making sure you know you matter. And uh, I always tell everybody that everybody matters. They want to matter. I don't know one person in the world that doesn't want to matter no matter how level their education was, or where they're from, or background, or color, or sexual orientation, any of those things. Everybody wants to matter. So I've found that the best way to make sure people matter is to tell them. There's, you can always find good things in people, whether it's the person making up the beds in the hotel, or washing the dishes, or the executive. and. If people don't think they matter, they will not be committed. You know, your people will not be committed to you unless they're sure you're committed to them. That's how real life works. They may cover it up. They may put on a smile, but they're not going to give you their full commitment. And, frankly, I think everybody deserves to be treated properly and right and given an opportunity and a chance. And. We need to get this bigotry and racism out of our hearts and start treating everybody right. And uh, so that's what I hammered at Disney. We have a culture where people wake up in the morning and want to come to work, uh, not have to come because they've got a boss and somebody standing over them. And when you think about it, you matter, I matter, you want your children to matter. I always tell people, be the leader you hope your kids have when they get in the workforce. Then maybe you can rethink how you treat people. So, that's just some of my philosophies over life. You know, I've been to 44 countries in the world. I know people from all over the world, every religion, Mm -hmm. everything you can imagine. They're all good people. As I tell people, everybody in those countries have babies. They love them, they want them safe, and they want them educated. And nobody's any different, frankly. Most people that don't believe what I'm telling you right now, have low exposure and low experience. They have live in their little village. They've never been anywhere. They don't know anybody that's not like them. And so they come to these big conclusions that everybody else is a problem. So I push back on that pretty hard. And certainly running Disney World, I made sure we never sent that message to our guests or to our cast members, ever.
1: Lee, what you said really intrigues me. You tell everyone to tell others that they're working for and working with what they're doing right because you wanna emphasize that you appreciate what they're doing. Sure. What that is based on is having them notice what's right so that they could talk about it, whether it's in one of the hotels or in the the parks or whatever job they're doing. How do you get someone who comes from a culture of noticing and and experiences where we've always been told what's wrong with what we're doing and getting them (laughs) to think about what's right with what we're doing and what we're noticing with our colleagues?
0: Well, what I do when I uh, had new employees, whether I was at Marriott or at Disney, our orientation is that they are told. Anybody working for me or others are told. Here, let me tell you how we work here at Disney. Here's how we work at Marriott. You're going to see me. You're going to see me a lot. When you're doing a good, great job, you're going to hear about it. When you're not doing a great job, you're going to hear about it. And think of me as your mother. Mothers don't care if you're happy. They care if you're successful. I want you to be successful. So I'm going to intervene and tell you when you're not doing it right. And so I, my main promise to you is I'll, you'll think I'm your mother. Just manage like a mother and you'll do the right things because mothers do the right things. They don't do the easy things. And always remember it's for them. It's not for you. It's a responsibility, whether you have children or whether you're a leader in business, to make sure you're developing and training and getting those people ready for a new life, a better life, a successful life, and a successful career. And it can be done by taking somebody by the hand and teaching them. We've all had that. So uh, we need to do it more with the people that are invisible. The people in the low-level jobs, we don't always do that with them because we have this our brain lies to us about who those people are
1: one of your other strategies is called create magic through training i think that (laughs) says that you are a big proponent of making sure that people have formal training and not what i call tribal training where you just observe monitor and look to repeat
0: I mean, really, think about it yourself, your training. uh, I would tell you, parents only want two things for their kids, safety and education, safety and training, basically. When you think about that, everybody, if we give people safety, whether it's an environment or a safe place to work or being able to speak up, and uh, good training and education, they can move forward. Let me tell you, I didn't go to college, and I am well-educated now. I read every day. I started listening to tapes. I started going to seminars. I started paying attention after I got more mature. And uh, when I understood that I could do more than I thought I could do, and my insecurity was just my brain lying to me, and I overcame it. But We've got to help people overcome these uh, deep uh, feelings they have when they don't believe in themselves. We can all do that, and everybody, you know, what do you want more for your children or your grandchildren is education and safety. Be safe first, and uh, that's the way you should treat people, frankly, and uh, that's the way I do it, and that's the way message I sent, and people that don't do that in the workplace don't uh, stay very long.
1: You know, a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking to themselves, you know, I completely agree with what Lee's saying. They're listening and saying, I want people to have that education and training and safety in their workplace. And they know that just saying it isn't enough. Right. Do you remember a time when you had to do something to get to like what you described, the deep feeling that they can't do something? How did you help someone overcome that deep feeling of inadequacy or not being empowered to do something. What's an example that you've lived through and assisted someone with so that we could learn from that?
0: Oh, sure. I've many. I can tell you about a young Hispanic lady that we noticed in a meeting one day. She was uh, an hourly employee. So Maria, we actually observed her in a meeting that we were having about, we had a group of cast members together, hourly employees from every kind of job, from dishwashers to housekeepers to managers. and. She started to. She really sparkled. We noticed that when we asked her a question, she had great answers. She spoke up, uh, and over time, I told the lady I worked with to get to know her better. She can be one of our managers one day. We need to get her on a training program because she's really smart and she. And we talked to her, and she said, "No, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I have kids. I can't take on that. I just do my little job." And we worked on her for about a year, and we got her into some training. And today, she's a manager at Disney. She's bought her own home, (laughs) she's gotten married, she's got two kids, and she is more outgoing. Her confidence rose dramatically because we saw something she didn't see. And she may have come from a background where people in her family weren't successful or didn't have the right opportunities, and we saw it. And I think if you're in your business with your children or with your employees, Look for those opportunities that may be a little hard to see, but if you get to know people well enough, you'll see them, you'll find them, because uh, there are a lot of introverts that don't believe in themselves, and we've got to seek them out, and we can find them if you're paying attention. It's like your kids, pay attention to what they're up to, because you might need to intervene and help them take a better route. And that's what we did at Disney, is we looked for those opportunities, because we wanted people from all backgrounds, we wanted people from all races, color, sexual orientation. You have to find them, because a lot of people start out in the service business just because they can't find another job. But they are responsible people, they had good parents, Uh, they just didn't have the education and the opportunity. And We like to seek them out because once you get them on board, they can become some of your best management people. I mean, they're incredible. So uh, when you help people get ahead, uh, they help you.
1: Lee, another point that you mentioned in your book uh, I found really interesting is not just tolerate things that are hassling you or find a way to minimize them. You talk about eliminating hassles. Tell me where that comes from and an example of how you approached eliminating a hassle. Well,
0: for your listeners, I can think about every day you go out and try to do business, whether it's retail, online, call your cell phone company, call your cable company, and it's one hassle after another. You can't reach anybody. They put you on hold. They don't uh, come back when they say they will. The uh, receipt return policies at, rest, at uh, retail stores. You lost the receipt and they give you a big hassle over and over and over. The hassles are widespread. We all know what they are. And I just say one of the strategies in life is remove the hassles for your customers because there is no upside to hassling your customers. This is about the best way to make sure they don't come back. And Amazon has learned that well. That's why they're killing everybody is because it's no hassle. You got a problem. They fix it. The only one policy they have at Amazon is make the customer happy. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and, uh, I don't care if what you say, what you send back, what you complain about, they fix it right now, one minute. Businesses out there need to be paying attention to that. You're going to hassle me. I'm not coming back. I mean, that's just... Uh, And employees too. Get the hassles out of your employees' life. How they get their vacation, how they get their day off, how you communicate with them, how their benefits when they got a problem, somebody resolve it for them. Their health care, get it resolved, help them. People leave. They leave jobs where you're hassled. You don't feel appreciated. You don't feel like anybody cares about you. You you leave. That's why. And this, let me tell you, this millennial group today, they won't stay. They'll walk out in a minute and get another job tomorrow. So people say, oh, the millennials are a problem. I say, well, you better get used to it because that's all we got. <laughs> so we better start learning how to use them, work with them, and make them successful because they are smarter than we are. And they are they just want a whole life. And you got to give people what they want. If you don't figure it out, uh, you'll be standing in your business alone.
1: One of the things that I love is the appeal that Disney has to – across generations. It has appealed to people across generations. So it doesn't matter whether you're a baby boomer, Gen X, millennial, all the way down to even millennials' children now. And one of the things I thought that was so clever is a peek behind how Disney uses its own stories to build a stronger culture. You have a neat chart in your book that's called The Seventh Service guidelines, seven guest service guidelines, where you use the seven dwarfs to actually talk about the characteristics you want your employees to have with treating guests. It's things like be happy, make eye contact and smile. Don't be bashful, seek out contact, right? And and I think that's really clever. What is it that you learned from teaching people this that helped you see how this really help them indoctrinate themselves into the culture and get the type of attitude and interaction quality that you were looking for
0: well i think every business owner out there the small businesses and the big businesses have to realize your new employees the people who work for you you don't know where they're coming from what their parents taught them do they know basic courtesy do they know basic professionalism like smiling saying welcome we're glad to have you here Do they know that you should always say thank you? We appreciate your business. Thanks for coming in. Do they know that leaning against the wall and having a bad look on your face sends the wrong message to your customers? Don't be grumpy. And uh, do they know that our role at certainly Disney and hopefully other companies is to fix any problems? You know, turn it around. Be like Doc. Fix it make it better and uh, so we teach them those things and we teach them those are the basics you do these we'll teach you the hard stuff but if you can't do these set things you you won't be able to work with us because day one when we put you in front of a guest you represent the company you represent the brand and you are disney and these are the kinds of things we believe in making it friendly cleanly clean and friendly and all those kinds of things. The basics, we focus on the basics, friendliness and cleanliness. (laughs) So we're going to teach you those before we ever let you go out and get in front of a guest. And it helps them. They don't know these. A lot of people don't know these basic uh, courtesies. They just don't know. They weren't taught. They grew up in an environment or a culture or God knows what happens where they were at home. And we have to teach them the basics, and we do. And that creates a better life for them and they get
1: happier. (laughs) And and I'm sure that's a a part of your retention strategy. And even for those who leave, I'm sure the businesses that hire them after they've been through your training appreciate (laughs) the effort you put into teaching them those foundations. Well,
0: they do. When I was at Marriott, I told my people, anytime somebody applies here, it was at Disney, I want you to make sure we figure out how to hire them because I know the training, I know Disney. They could not have worked at Disney unless they had a lot of high qualities, and we hear that all the time. We have a college program where students work for us, and they tell me that's the best thing that ever happened to them is getting Disney on their resume because when they go for a job, that's all the future employer wants to talk about. It's a big deal. So yeah, it's a big deal because everybody's been to Disney so they know we execute well and they want people that know how to do that.
1: So what are a couple tips that you could share with our listeners about what it takes to start your day effectively as a manager at Disney? What are some of the practices that you share that you've talked about in the book that helps people who manage teams at Disney start the day off to a good start for a productive and happy day?
0: Well first of all every department has a pre-shift meeting before we start the shifts in the morning, the afternoon and the evening. We 5 6 minutes, we meet everybody together, we talk about what we're going to do, to focus today on the people that are disabled, to focus on the kids, then don't forget to do this, forget to do that and we have 6 strong minutes, 30 minutes a week of training that people might not classify as training but might be the most important training. Then we set off to execute based on those things. Basically, it's reminders. Again, it's like your mother saying, before you go out, put your coat on. And before you do this, do that. It's just those basic reminders that our guests are going to be arriving soon, and we need to be taking care of them. And the other thing we tell all of our managers to do is to take a few minutes every morning and plan their day, think about what they're going to do today on purpose, not by accident. Um, to think about yesterday, what they didn't do so well, how they can correct that before the day gets started today, go back and apologize to that person, call that client back, talk to that employee. And then today, what are they going to work on? And what are they thinking about working on tomorrow? So that we're doing things on purpose, not by accident. So many people go through the day and they don't really have a plan. Uh, They end up not exercising. They end up not learning anything, not signing up for a seminar, not uh, whatever it is. And I would say 99% of people in the world just stumble through life without a plan and thinking about what am I going to do next? What course am I going to take? Am I going to schedule a meeting with all my employees to talk about how I want them to improve their performance on purpose? And I think people, they should have three or four things that they think are going to get done every day before they do anything else. When I was at Disney, I focused on hiring, training, and culture. And when I retired, my wife gave me three new ones. She said, your first priority is take care of yourself so you can take care of us. Then number two, take care of your family. Number three, take care of your work. And number four, if you've got time left over, you can help Kim Kardashian with her problems. <laughs> you know, get focused on what's important. Look at people. They're not healthy. They're not taking care. Of, they take better care of their car and they do themselves. And it's because they don't, they just don't plan it. They don't schedule it and they don't make it happen. And then you have regrets one day. That's Mm -hmm. the one that bites you, regrets. So that's why I tell people, get together. I teach time management for the last 35 years. I wrote a book called Time Management Magic. It tells people how to get organized and disciplined and to get things done so they don't get down in their 65. I I tell people there's only four ages. You're born, you're 21, you're 65, and you're dead. You better get with it. (laughs) So not be messing around.
1: Well, a lot of times when companies look to implement a new process, as you've done many times at both Marriott and Disney, you don't get welcomed with you know a warm embrace every time. <laughs> <What> <laughs> it, how did you learn to deal with resistance to change, to overcome that resistance and help them understand the benefits that were behind the change?
0: Well, I was in charge of many change management programs at Disney, and I had 5,000 people in work management working in the operating areas, and I called them together in groups of 700, 800,000 when we had a major change, and I got up, and I told them what we were going to do, and the main thing, the main, most important thing is why we're doing it. Why? And this is the problem. Tell people why. Tell them what, what it's going to achieve, whether it's better customer service, whether it's better profit, whether it's better cast employee satisfaction, and uh, make sure they understand we are going to do this. And we used to say at Disney, you can either get on the bus or get run over by the bus. So this, is, once we've decided on something, we've had a lot of conversations. We've met with a lot of people. We're We've talked to hourly employees. We know this is the route we're going. Now, if we mess it up, We'll change it back, but we are going, so don't resist. And uh, even Amazon's, you know, Jeff Bezos, he said in his company, even when everybody talks about it, when we agree, we all support it. He said, even if I don't support it, but they talk me into it, I support it. And that's it. That's what it has to be clear, and it has to come from the top, and people have to understand that. Uh, It's part of the leadership, and it's part of the culture of the company to not fight and push against the things that we need to get done. So it's a matter of clarity. Be clear. Be honest. And just tell them why. (laughs) That's the main thing, why we got to do this, whether you like it or not. You know, they say a leader's job is to do what has to be done, when it has to be done, and the way it should be done, whether you like it or not, and whether they like it or not. So think about your mother again. (laughs)
1: Well, not everybody had a good role model of a mother who was supportive and encouraging. And you talk about ARE as a part of your natural routine as a manager in order to build a strong culture and good communications. How do you teach someone to use that skill and build that skill when they haven't learned it before coming to Disney?
0: Yeah, that happens, and they do show up and don't have that, especially some of the jobs where maybe they don't speak English well or they're in a lower-level job and they've never been treated right. But I would say uh, generally all of our leaders at Disney and uh, the culture is that uh, you do it over time. Appreciation, recognition, and encouragement, you start showing it to them, you start uh, demonstrating it, and I will tell you, when you get in the right culture in life and you get treated right, People make make sure they know you know you matter and your opinion counts. And over time, a year later, six months later, they will start to slowly change because when you show appreciation, recognition to people, they change. They start to overcome some of their insecurities. And culture is a slow change. It's either getting better or worse all the time. And we've got to make sure that we really use that word, everybody matters. So the manager's job is to make sure they're touching everybody in their organization and not ignoring anybody. And over time, it gets better. And then there's peer pressure. It's a great environment at Disney. And when you're integrated, environment you get happier <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of fun things going on and our customers are happy and uh or we're it's a pride thing too to work at disney people like saying i work for disney so it's an environmental thing it's like uh, raising children it takes 18 years and you can't do it in one day and uh you take them and you do your best and uh i think clarity up front about we're interested in your opinion. Everything counts here. Uh, don't ever be afraid. We, Everybody at Disney, has, all the executives have a confidential voicemail. If you're unhappy about something, you can leave me a voicemail. You don't have to leave your name. I'll take care of it. I mean, we have a lot of ways to help people get over the frustrations of uh, the bureaucracy of working in an organization. So,
1: yeah. One of the other things that I thought was very interesting is how you emphasize right from the start, when somebody comes in, everybody goes through the same orientation. Can you describe what that process is like?
0: Yeah, they all, once they're hired, uh, a couple of times a week you start. You might, everybody starts on a Saturday, I think it is now, and you're in a full eight hours. You learn about who Walt Disney was, who, believe it or not, a lot of young people might not even know who he was. And uh, you learn about the culture of the company, how it started, the ups and downs of the company, how Walt uh, selected people, what our customers, uh, how he started the theme parks, and what storytelling is, that uh, we're telling stories. And uh, that's the way we communicate with people. And we just go through all uh, the expectations of uh, treating the guests extremely well because they have high expectations. We want to be especially focused on children because uh, this is one of the most exciting things that ever happened to them was come to Disney World meeting Cinderella or Mickey Mouse and uh, we have a high responsibility to be professional all day all the time including management everybody is professional we have a role in the show we execute that role and uh, you have to know rudeness uh, and no, no, not smiling. So whether you're happy or not today, you got to act happy for eight hours. That's what we're doing. We're putting on a major show here for guests who are paying a lot of money to come and see it of a theory we have of the big red curtain opens every day and we're ready to go. And you're going to see the same hit show every day by a great cast members we've hired to perform it for you. So it's kind of a, it's a way to think about things.
1: Yeah. And
0: if everybody thought about a big red curtain opening in their business every day, I don't care how small the business, they would have a better business.
1: <laughs> when it's showtime, it's showtime, whether you're in a costume or not.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Action.
1: Lee, what is a book that you've read in the last year that's made a difference in your life and how you are living effectively and with the high level of satisfaction now?
0: I've read a couple leadership and turbulent times I just finished. It's about four U.S. presidents and how they had to manage and lead through very turbulent times. Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR and LBJ. I just finished Michelle Obama's book, which is very I mean, it's really it's fabulous. It's very inspirational, how she went through her life growing up black on the south side of Chicago. I mean, incredible. I'm reading Jeff Bezos' letters right now about how Jeff Bezos thinks about making complexity simple, take, getting rid of the hassle for the customers. I mean it's amazing book it just will open your eyes I don't care if you're a small business with 20 people or 100 people it uh, it's a way to think about things and the persistence of long term doing a great job long term and uh, so some of the, those three I just finished and I don't know what I'm going to pick up next I put a book by my bed and I read 15 20 minutes every night <laughs> and in a couple of weeks I've finished a book and it makes me go to sleep so uh People say they don't have time. Well, yeah, you have time. If you want to do something, you have time. If you want to get smarter, it's never too late to get better. It's never too late to get smarter. It's never too late to get healthier. (laughs) Just you got to want to do
1: it. I think that you're answering the question, what do you tell people who say that they don't have time for it? And you're saying (laughs) that they do have time if you make it a priority.
0: Yeah, you got to think about what you should be stop doing. (laughs) Where are you spending your time? Why don't you have time? You do have time. You're just. Most people are not overworked. They're underorganized. They don't have any plan. They don't know. They hire the wrong people. They don't train them, and then they wonder why they're always caught up in having to deal with employees that aren't doing their job and problems at home. They don't change the oil in their car, and they wonder why the car motor burns up. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of things happen because you don't do other things. That's why you got to sit and think deeply. What is the most important things I need to be doing this week? and get them done and get that college fund open. Talk to your kids about the birds and the bees. Uh, there's big stuff that you gotta do and you can't let it go or your life will get really in trouble.
1: So we've talked a lot about things that we need to do in order to add to our lives. What's something you've done in your personal life, Lee, that you've removed or stopped doing that's led to greater happiness and satisfaction for you?
0: I quit criticizing my wife for one and uh, she got better immediately. And I was, I'm, was an insecure guy, I'm a control freak, I wanna control everybody, and I learned that's the worst thing you can do. She's Priscilla, and I'm Lee, and uh, other things I've done is I exercise every day. I weigh the same as I did when I was 20 years old. I do strength training twice a week so I don't fall and break a hip one day, because I wanna build bone density. I put that in my schedule, I took sugar out of my diet. I took caffeine out of my diet. I maybe have one or two drinks a week when I used to drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> so I just thought about things I needed to do because some of those things were interfering with my sleep. And when, you, when your sleep goes downhill, your life goes downhill. So I try to think about, okay, I always tell everybody they can do whatever they want. Now, can I do it? And, and you can do it. Sometimes you need help. I have a trainer. You know, I have a doctor, I have a web guy, I have an accountant, I have everybody. I don't know much, but I have people around me who do. That's how I think about life. I can do anything. Maybe I can't personally do it, but I can get it done. And uh, that's how you got to think about it. Get it done.
1: Well, Lee, you've shared so many great stories and insights with me today on my quest for the best. I I think that it started out with the (laughs) enthusiasm and encouragement. In fact, the appreciation, recognition, and encouragement that your grandmother showed for you continues to carry through today. I think that your Absolutely. skills, yeah, I, I think that your skills at being well organized have served you well, and anyone can see the difference and impact that that makes in how you've taken on responsibilities and at this high level of responsibility as working at both Marriott and at Disney. I think that the orientation is something that people are going to take away from this and think about how they can have a way to help new employees understand right from the start, the traditions and expectations in their organization and how that'll make a difference. I loved when you said, if you don't do the hard things, life gets harder because it's a reminder, they don't go away. They do need to be dealt with.
0: That's right. And by the way, all your listeners have two or three, just like I did. Two or three hard things they are not taken care of and they ought to think about next week starting to get rid of one of them. <laughs> and then another one and then another one. And then they're going to find themselves very happy. And you won't like it the night before you have to do it or start it, but you'll like it when it's finished.
1: Well, that makes a big difference. And I just want to say thank you again so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me with you. And Lee, before we say goodbye, could you tell us where to find out more about you and your work online?
0: Sure. You can go to Lee Cockerell, C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L.com. There's lots of stuff on there. A lot of it's free. My books are on there. My podcast, Creating Disney Magic. Uh, We've got all kinds of documents and training materials you can just download if you want to and use them. So there's a lot of stuff there.
1: LeeCockerell.com. Lee, thanks again so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast and join the community. You can get the insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world. And I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.